Hello and welcome to the latest Tap Talks HR podcast. Today I'm talking to Matt Bofford, a leadership and management educator based at the Adam Smith Business School. Hi Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hi Anthony, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a great privilege, thank you. No worries. So Matt, today we're going to talk about your interest in leadership education, but specifically looking from an outdoor learning perspective. So do you want to kick us off with how you became interested in this area? Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I was in the Navy for about 30 years and I guess, you know, I did a lot of stuff outdoors. And when I left the Navy, I was really interested in continuing that um, that sort of mode of, of learning because of the that I feel like the outdoor environment is a great environment for reflection. But uh, when I left the Navy, I looked at doing this as a career and I felt there were a lot of people a lot more qualified than me already in that field, you know, mountain leaders, people who are very um, accustomed to being on the land and being outdoors uh, and managing all the risks involved. And I kind of concluded that perhaps that wasn't the right path for me. It would take me years and years to build up that level of experience. So I kind of put it on the back burner for a while. Um, but I ended up, uh, I became an academic. I joined the uh, University of Glasgow, Adam Smith Business School, as you mentioned. Um, and as serendipity would have it, I ended up working uh, with a company called the Fresh Air Leadership Company, which is managed by uh, Dave Stewart. And I found Dave particularly inspirational um, because we were creating outdoor experiences for our students. Um, and what I learned was that there are some things that you can do in that outdoor environment that don't involve climbing every mountain and fording every stream. So, um, and it was that realization that actually you can do some things in this space, you know, quite easily um, with a little bit of forethought. Uh, so because of that, I started engaging more and more with outdoor learning, building it into my courses, uh, little campus field trips that I do that are 30 minutes where I just uh, take my students out of the lecture theatre and into the campus, uh, as well as outdoor days that we've done Loch Lomond with the assistance of, of, of companies like the Fresh Air Leadership Company. And there, there are others as well that can, that can help with those kind of capstone type of things. Um, yeah. So that's my kind of journey into outdoor learning. I'm still a novice, I have to say, <laughs> I should say. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, I mean, what I love about this podcast is, is, mm. is people who are interested in something that's an aspect of the mm. wider, broader world of leadership, HR, and things. So right from the start, we're saying this is not about ropes and planes mm. uh, when we're talking about outdoor education. So yeah. What, yeah. Do you, what do you see as the value of outdoor learning as part of leadership and management education? What do you think it brings to yeah, so I think I think it's a really I think it's a really powerful tool that you can use, particularly around experiential learning, which is something I'm really into myself. I think that you know you can teach a certain amount of theory. So when I'm working with companies um, and when I'm working with students, we quite often trot out various theories and frameworks that we have. I mean, just just to choose one at random, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something like that. You know, a lot of people are aware of that model. They talk about that model. It starts with a PowerPoint. Um, but actually, you know, having an experience of where people are on that scale of needs um, really helps to solidify that knowledge. And I find that going outdoors really changes the context 
And it takes away from that kind of passive learning environment where people turn up, whether it's a training room or a lecture hall, and they just kind of switch on to passive mode and start almost recording your voice. When you take them outdoors and you get them to notice things that exist outdoors, you're waking that active part of their mind up, uh, getting them to reflect on what they see. And very much is about, I think in leadership and management education, you can even go out into the built environment and see the kind of scars from that have been caused by, you know, irresponsible management of the past. You can go and see it actually happening. Uh, and also, I think it's really important to try and defamiliarize that outdoor environment. So, you know, when you um, get people to go outdoors just outside of an office block that they've maybe walked to or just outside of the lecture theatre where they've walked through the campus and just didn't notice anything about that environment. But now you're asking them to, for instance, look at the number of electric vehicles that might go past or um you know, look for signs of pollution on the buildings or something like that, or to go, you know, outdoors into a sort of a more wild environment and notice the extent to which perhaps that's a man-made environment. In fact, it's just trying to get people to notice things um, that previously they would have just walked on by, myself included uh, in that, of course. So it's interesting there. So if you're noticing things, it sounds like... Um it's you're raising people's level of awareness you're moving mm. them from i like your use of the word passive mm. into to really concentrating and really bringing the brain to life mm. what kind of, of impact does that then have on on the learning that you're trying to do yeah it's very much about um it's very much about reflection there so um you know, when you're when you're in a lecture theatre, you know, you are just effectively what I think of as a sort of recording mode. Um, there's not much necessarily much reflection going on, depending on how active the lesson is and so on. So by defamiliarizing and asking people to notice things, you're kind of jolting them out. It's almost like that David can uh, sorry, that um, sorry, not uh, the Kahneman uh, book about um, mode two and mode uh, mode one thinking. I think it's called Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, Daniel Kahneman, sorry, I've got the name wrong there. Um, but, you know, I think people are kind of in this autopilot mode um, and you're jolting them out of it by giving them a different experience. You know, when you take people out of the familiar um, and challenge, you know, this... Outdoor learning is very much about mental challenge, not physical challenge. Um, you know, it's not about yomping up mountains or, or, or you know, trying to get around a, a, a grid as quickly as you can. It's about challenging your mind. Um, and that means waking your mind up and, and noticing things. And therefore, um, and journaling is a really big, important part of that. So we ask we ask the learners to, you know, record their their experiences to either write it down or take pictures with their phone or maybe take some audio notes. But that journaling is part of how you how you, you know, you don't just have a reflective moment and then forget about it. You've actually you need to record it. That's that's really important in outdoor learning. It's uh, you, you mentioned uh, the Thinking Fast and Slow book, actually, I'm mm -hmm. sitting in my office. It's actually one of those <laughs> books behind me. Only you can see that, the listeners can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really interesting, though, isn't it? Because to deal with everything, we have to put so much into the subconscious automatic. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, learning is very much about stopping the automatic and going into very much a, a kind of a curiosity 
mm-hmm. kind of place. And I, I love that concept of outdoor thinking. And I think outdoor learning. And I think um, I'm just thinking probably a couple of listeners started listening to this and was thinking, oh, I can't do that running around hills and, and planks mm-hmm. and ropes thing. But actually yeah. what you're saying is actually an environment shift just to get the brain to shift and unlock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there are lots, there are many, many um, advantages to all those different outdoor things. And, you know, I, I mentioned that um, that there are lots of companies working in this space and they don't, they don't just do the outdoor learning part. They also do, you know, the team building part and the character building part and all of that kind of thing, or just creating a thinking space for, you know, uh, for C-suite leaders and things like that. Um, So what I've taken from my experiences of working with companies like that is just that outdoor learning part, because I'm an educator. So that's, you know, that's the bit that I'm, that I'm interested in. So when people talk about outdoor learning, they call outdoor experiences, they could mean many, many things by that. But the thing that I focused on really is just this educational, this sort of educational piece, really, um, which might be in a wild or in a not wild environment. You know, there's no reason why you can't use the built environment for that as well. It's interesting because one of the questions I was going to say is like, uh, I'm sure there's someone else listening going, hang on a minute, but I live in quite an urban space mm. and I would love to take my leadership group into the mountains for 30 minutes but actually that would probably take me for 30 by british for about 30 mm-hmm. hours to get yes. there and, and then the train can't even go into the mountains quite often uh, but yeah, yeah how, do you, how does that translate sorry sorry no it was my fault i interrupted <laughs> <laughs> I, I do i do do that i have to try and stop myself so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think yeah i started off when i started doing this actually because um because of that there's cost implications if you want to do that there's risk assessment implications if you want to do that you know you want to go out into the hills and so on expertise that you need and so on so i when i first started doing this i was actually doing a risk course and i was going through uh, teaching students how to do risk assessments probability uh, versus versus like uh, probably probability versus consequence kind of grids that really basic type of risk assessment and I was going through this in a PowerPoint and I just suddenly thought, why are we doing this? You know, so why not just get them to go out onto the campus and do this? So I sent them out for like half an hour um, to go and do that. And that was the beginning of the journey. And since then, I've always so I, I, I very much start simple and work my way up. So if I want to do that, that bigger kind of uh, out in the hills kind of thing, then I will get professional help to do that. And we need to get budget to do that. And that's a sort of. A, a rare thing that we'll do as a capstone project, maybe for a course or something. Um, but each week I will do some kind of thing outdoors and it might only be 30 minutes. Uh, I'm now running a, a principles of management course, which is 10 weeks long. So each lecture that I do every week, they do 30 minutes outside in, in the immediate um, environment of the Glasgow University of Glasgow campus. And we've, we're very fortunate that we've got this, um, uh, we've got Byers Road, which runs very, very close, and it's a fantastic place with lots of different uh, businesses are running. And of course, this is about this is a business education piece. So we can go and say, right, OK, let's take a look at all these different businesses and how they operate and, uh, you know, what the impact. We talk a lot about responsible, sustainable and ethical management. 
you know, so we can kind of go into the buyer's road and say, okay, well, who's doing that? <laughs> and, and how and why and all of those. So it's kind of the critical thinking part of higher education in particular. But I think businesses want this as well. They want critical thinkers. But we talk about critical evaluation and critical thinking, but we don't necessarily know how to do it um, or even what it means. Um, so you can go out into that immediate environment the built environment, and you can ask them about things like timescales, you know, what sort of timescale did this uh, environment, uh, was it developed and what were the, what were the principles of leadership when these buildings were built, you know, these huge 100, 200 year old buildings, you know, what, what was leadership like in those days, you know, what, what about the physical scale and what about what it means to you personally but also to your group of friends and what, what, that, what that building is doing to the wider environment and society. So you can look at all these different scales, of, uh, you know, social scales, physical scales, and also, you know, time scales to kind of look at this, uh, this idea of responsible management, especially, and how, that, how that's changed in the 21st century. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because you're using the architecture and just the environment mm -hmm. around you, but you, what you're actually doing as a facilitator, you're asking provocative, open questions to, mm -hmm. to tap into yeah. that, that curiosity, that critical thinking to really challenge yeah. those assumptions that we make about day-to-day -day life. Absolutely. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, uh, on Friday, we were um, at an RSPB site doing uh, risk, risk analysis, uh, risk assessments. And I was getting the, the learners to kind of notice things about that environment that perhaps they took for granted. So uh, we looked across this, this beautiful kind of site, loads and loads of beautiful birds there. Um, but it's very, very flat, marshy kind of landscape. And I was, uh, th these students are actually studying sustainability. So they're looking at sustain sustainable risks. And I was saying that this flat marsh landscape is actually a huge carbon trap. So just the fact that it's there, you know, and maybe we would be tempted to put some more trees or build, you know, grow some more trees, but that actually would, wouldn't be the right thing to do in that environment. So it's just kind of like going out and noticing that, you know, that the world is not necessarily how you imagine it to be. Um, and it's sort of like, yeah, developing that critical thinking. And that's interesting because I, 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 I'm very interested in things like the future of work and, mm. and where mm. leadership sits in that, et cetera. Mm. And, and with the rise of, of automation uh, mm. in the fourth industrial revolution, those two distinct behaviors around uh, or skills around critical thinking and curiosity yeah. um, are very much things that we're going to have to develop in many more people as the more rudimentary thinking processes get automated so Absolutely. so actually what we're saying is actually outdoor learning mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. be a path to really dig into those areas absolutely yeah absolutely i mean i've heard it said that we're moving from the age of information to the age of imagination because uh, now ai generative ai will do the kind of some of the legwork for us in terms of computation, calculation, and so on. Um, but it doesn't have imagination and it doesn't have uh, experience as such, like human experience. So it's actually bringing, it's not saying that, you know, we need to live in a world with a, without AI or we need to prescribe AI or limit AI, but it's more like, how are we going to work in collaboration with AI? So taking these, 
you know, these sort of outdoor experiences, which can't be copied by AI, um, you know, is giving you and giving, uh, giving learners that kind of ability to think critically about things. And then actually you could take what you've learned from an outdoor learning experience and feed that into, you know, um, some, you know, open AI or something like that and see, see what you get and see how that compares with your experiences. So it's not to necessarily exclude, but I mean, one of the things in, in education in particular is the idea of authentic assessment, which of course is becoming more and more uh, popular now because, you know, we used to sort of give students a, an essay to do. Uh, but now, of course, they could just feed that into AI. So how do we how do we kind of create an authentic assessment? Well, we can patchwork those experiences, those campus field trips that I did and say, right, OK, write about that because you can't you can't copy that. And similarly, you know, in a, in a business context, if you're working with uh, I was recently working uh, with a company where we were uh, working outdoors and they were they were working through some sort of uh, internal issues and things like that. Again, these are, these, are, these are problems that humans have. These are not problems that AI can really help us with, but we were using the outdoor environment as a reflective space um, to talk about those things. So I've, I think it definitely has its place in, in the future of work, even though it is kind of an old fashioned idea, I suppose. <laughs> It's interesting though, isn't it? It's, um, uh, I, I recently was facilitating uh, a team day with a, with a group and we were in a, a room all day, but it had this veranda space outside and we did the morning in there very looking at how we work as a team. Mm. After lunch, I could see I was entering into the graveyard shift <laughs> and I just, I just literally picked up the flip chart, turned off the screen and it said to everyone, follow me. We walked outside. And then we did the next activities just outside the room. And I yeah. saw the energy level right. properly shift. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's great to hear that there's a almost like an area of research or people looking into mm. this idea of outdoor learning as a way to propagate yeah. those kind of skills like uh, innovative thinking, critical thinking, uh, mm -hmm. curiosity and and just trying to help grow those skills so I do get asked by people oh yeah Anthony you'll say we need to grow critical thinking how do we do it well actually yeah. changing environments might absolutely. be a great way to get people to practice absolutely yeah I absolutely agree with that I mean and it's a, it's a really growing trend in certainly in higher education and I'm seeing a lot um, a lot of the sort of business clients that that I work with as well are I think embracing this I call it, um, you know, I refer to it as outdoor learning. In academic, academic terms, we call it eco-pedagogy. And it's more than simple outdoor learning. It's about, it's about learning about the world by being in the world, you know. Um, so it's got a lot more to it. And it all gets very, very kind of technical. And there's a lot of academic speak around it. And I, I, I generally sort of avoid it. Uh, because it's a little bit um, inaccessible to people, but it certainly it certainly is a kind of growing, I think, a very much a growing trend. I don't know if it's on the back of of COVID nineteen because uh, during those lockdowns, of course, people had to find outdoor spaces in in the beginning uh, to to have their meetings and have their discussions. And I don't know whether you know this is speculation on my part, but I wonder if that somehow reinvigorated this idea about being outdoors and how as you say it just it just ups the energy level when when you're outdoors 
Well, there's this, um, uh, we're re-looking at the world of the workspace, uh, aren't we? Home and work mm-hmm. intermingling. Mm-hmm. So the, the traditional barriers are being blurred. So it's almost maybe opportunistic yeah. that, that we're, we're looking at these things and it seems to be working. Mm-hmm. Likewise, as you say, I mean, I, I remember years ago, I used to, if you feel that the people weren't re- were being passive mm-hmm. in the room, to use your word, is, is actually just to get them to stand up and walk yes. into the, the kind of main atrium of wherever you yeah. were and say, yeah. we'll do this next to her. And that seemed to do some unlocking. And I never knew yeah. that eco-pedagogy was going yeah. to rise up in 10 years' time <laughs> in one of my podcasts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And that's so, so a great, great thing about life, isn't it? <laughs> exactly so and, and it's just like when i many 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 years ago i used to be a floor manager in safeway remember mm-hmm. them remember them mm-hmm. and um and you used to do certain things as a leader and it worked and it's only when i left there and went into the world of HR mm-hmm. that actually you started picking up people like daniel goldman's book on yeah. emotional intelligence and you're going oh is that a thing i yeah. just did that by happy stance kind of thing, a, so. yeah and there's like mbwa isn't there as well management by walking around um, which is like one of my favorite, favorite things, you know, because um, I mean, I am a bit, I have to admit, I am a little bit hyperactive myself. So the idea of sitting down for a long period of time um, is something that I would just naturally want to get up anyway. Uh, but actually you get more done when you go and talk to people rather than send them an email. So it may not be outdoors, but it's a, there's a similar kind of, uh, there's an overlap there, I think. Mm. And then that's good because then that feeds into the world of hybrid working that actually maybe there's certain yes. critical times where you need to think about this kind of getting people together and doing this more uh, outdoor learning, experiential thinking, yeah. whilst also recognising there's time where people are going to be hybrid, remote, etc. And there are benefits to that and other times yeah. from that. Yeah. Kind of brings me on to my last question, which is like, okay, this sounds great. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about how you can get around it in the urban world and everything mm. like that. What do you see as as maybe a, a challenge or two that, that can mm-hmm. get in the way of you being able to bring this into your workspace? Yeah, so I think the main the main challenge I've encountered is the kind of resistance to it. Because it's different, um, people will be, when you say, right, okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to get up out of our chairs and we're going to leave this room and we're going to go to this location um, and we're going to do the following things. We're going to think about this, that and the other. Is you kind of see this, this sort of bewilderment will just sort of go across their face or confusion. And then that, that passes for like maybe a second or two seconds. And then you start to see this sort of steely glint of determination to not do this thing, to sort of resist it. Like, no, I'm, I'm staying put. Thank you very much. Um, because people, you know, I think uh, in, you know, in, in professional education, in business education and in, you know, in higher education, in the student environment, um, I think people become accustomed to coming in you know we've been to these sort of like these uh you know workshops that we might do at work where you know you go and you get a coffee and a sandwich you sit down and then you listen to somebody talk and it's kind of like you're in that mode uh where you can maybe just switch off of the emails for a little bit and just let somebody uh talk and just let it wash over you while you while you drink your coffee or whatever so um, this sort of unfamiliar way of doing things nearly always generates uh, resistance. Um, there's always, um, as well, I think, a misunderstanding about what you're trying to achieve. I think a lot of people think that it is going to be some sort of character building, kind of physical, maybe even a macho kind of thing. 
about going outdoors and you know that's a that's a good reason to resist as well and then of course you've got the risk side of it you know if you're going to take take people out of a familiar environment particularly if you're going into that outdoors and you know like wilderness type of environment then there's logistics there's cost uh, and there's the you know the risk part of it is really important you have to be really quite paranoid about all the things that can go wrong because when you take a group of people um, and you sort of let them loose then you know they will get lost they will trip over they will hurt themselves you know that's sort of like you have to be quite um, paranoid about that and make sure that you, you've got all of that kind of uh, assessed so those I would say were the, were the challenges yeah yeah yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? It's um, and unfortunately in business we can't do things like collateral damage. You go with mm. ten, you come back with eight, and that's a success rate. <laughs> it's uh, eight so. very illuminated people, so let's call that a success. But um, we'll yeah, yeah, those eight will be more productive than the ten that went. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 interesting though, isn't it? I, I mm. when it, I, sometimes when I do leadership um things uh, and like there's an activity coming up, people look at you and, and you have to say things like it's not going to be role play because mm. like, they would like it to be applied into the work and i think they'd like to feel they're not, not going to be embarrassed mm. as well so i think those are some mm. of the things and, and of course we've got the legacy of i know it's a brand but outward bound from the 1990s mm. and things yeah. like that and, yeah. and that kind of sticks in the head so but yeah. it's really interesting talking to you to, to, to mm. today matt because actually i think the, the eco-pedagogy mm. uh, mm. approach to outdoor learning doesn't necessarily mean if there's a huge cost involved it just means yeah. to me it's like that unlocking of people's brain and using the world outside absolutely and that's the thing to focus on so so what what i do in my in all of these things so if i'm working with a, in a, a partner or if i'm doing something on my courses um which is sort of more more the point really so i have like 10 10 weeks working with students on a certain topic, um, I, I like to kind of be bold about it, but go bold, but go early. So like in week one, um, you know, get them out, get them onto, onto, onto that outdoor environment, even if it's only a 30 minute quick, uh, you know, what, I, what, what I've been calling a campus field trip. I, I, that's not my word, actually, I read that. But, uh, you know, this sort of campus field trip to get them out really early so they get used to it. And similarly, um, you know, I recently did uh, an outdoor, we uh, working with with a company, an out, out sort of series of outdoor events over a week. And the first day was going to be like a sort of a, a, a traditional type of workshop. But I, I got them to take a walk. We all went for a walk to the local village. It was about a kilometer or something like that. It wasn't It wasn't very far, but just to break the ice, but also to get them into that mindset and I think if you go if you go bold and you go early that will overcome that kind of resistance um part of it and I think very much I think it's great to go out in the wilderness and all of those sort of things but that's not what that's not what I focused on because you know I need help to do that so the stuff that I can do on my own is exactly what you just said before it's getting people to go out and look at things in a different way. And that's really the whole purpose for me uh, of getting of getting outdoors. Jesse, and therefore, mm. a lot of our listeners here who probably work mm. in the learning world or the HR mm. world will mm. be thinking, actually, there is something I can do. I mm. can experiment on this, mm. which yeah, kind of brings me 
towards mm. the end of our podcast because mm. like all my podcasts as my listeners regular listeners will know uh, mm-hmm. i always love to go on for further but uh, unfortunately <laughs> i can't <laughs> someone wanted to um and learn more learn more mm. about learning outdoors or mm. the world of pedagogy what kind of one or two things would you suggest that they may be looking to yes yeah, so um it is sort of, as I said, it's got this sort of like um, strange word attached to it, ecopedagogy. So it's it's not necessarily easy to find without then if you Google that, you'll get a lot of quite mystifying stuff, um, which if you're into might be quite exciting. But if you just want to know, well, how can I use this? How can I experiment? Um, you could follow me on LinkedIn. So I've I've actually just recently posted um, about uh, a field trip that I did. I was just mentioning it before in, in a, in a uh, RSPB site, which was out in the wilderness and we're looking at risk assessment. So I literally just posted that on LinkedIn on Friday. Um, and I do, I do post quite regularly about my experiences uh, with this. So that, that will give you um, some clues. Um, there's also a fantastic book, uh, which was written by uh, Bayer and Bird Finley last year, 2022. It's called uh, Ecopedagogy, um, and it's about practical experiential learning. It's been written by academics, but um, it's basically each chapter is a kind of aspect of ecopedagogy, and it gives you some sort of tips and challenges and things like that, and it's very very much written in a in an accessible way and it's a fantastic book I've been following it myself it's a kind of like how to guide Um, a lot of it a lot of that particular book is actually about literature but you can kind of and literature studies but you can sort of extract from that how how to go about it yeah Um, so those are the sort of couple of ways I would suggest fantastic well Matt and I'm going to say Mm -hmm. Matt offered just in mm. case people did want to follow you <laughs> on LinkedIn, just say so you got you. your surname as well. Um, yeah. Thank you ever so much for your time. It's been really interesting to understand how you're approaching this concept about using a wider environment for learning. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much, Anthony. Well, thank you for the opportunity to come and talk about it. I'm, as I say, I am very much a novice and I'm learning it. So um, it's it's a great opportunity for me to share what I've learned. And I hope that that some people will you know, adopt it in their own kind of uh, teaching, training, learning, and so on. So, yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. And it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. No worries. Well, that, on that point, that's over to the listeners to do something about it after <laughs> our podcast today. So, yeah. so that's about all we have time for today. Um, if you're interested in learning um, further more about uh, leadership education or other HR topics, then the back catalogue of the Tap Talk Take Path podcast is a great place to start. Find out more at tapsolutions.com or your favourite podcast channel. Just search for Tap Talk HR. But thanks for listening and bye for now. Mm-hmm.